Well, I'm finally going to preach on Sunday morning. It's been a little while, and I'm glad to finally get the opportunity. This this Bible verse in the bulletin from Matthew chapter 25 has been in there for three Sundays now because that was the verse I was going to use uh, a couple weeks ago. And so finally we're here. Matthew chapter 25, and the Lord had other plans, and that's okay. And the Lord knows what he's doing. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received the two, he also gained other two. But he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And then, verse 24, He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray, and we'll go on today. Dear Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to meet together, to open your word, and to look at it together. I do pray that you would help me to say, to be able to think and speak clearly what you'd have said, that you would prepare our hearts and minds for uh, what your word says and what your Holy Spirit wants to be said. And I pray that you'd help us to uh, be ever mindful of your word and to allow it to influence and to penetrate our hearts and to allow us to be changed and affected by it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Well done. You know, one thing you'll notice about uh, verse number 23 and verse number 21 it's almost exactly word for word i think there's just one italicized word in there thou uh otherwise it's literally the same exact thing well done thou good and faithful servant well done that's what i want to hear I don't want to hear it when I'm at the restaurant necessarily. I don't necessarily like my steak well done. But I want to hear it when I get to heaven. I want to hear well done. I hope you do too. And I hope after today's message you understand why that's so important. First of all though, 
In verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Servants are expected to serve. I know we're getting deep here, but servants are expected to serve. That's the purpose of being called a servant. That's what your expectation is to serve. That's what God would have. I think by now you understand who the Lord is in this story. Servants are expected to serve. Number two, <coughs> notice it says in verse 15, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. The one thing you can count on for sure is, is that the Lord knows the servants better than anybody. The Lord knows the servants better than the servants know the servants. And that several ability means that ideal ability, that ideal amount that they can handle. And so according to their several ability, the Bible says. And what we find here is much faith, much ability equals more talents given. Little faith, little ability, lesser amount of talents given according to their several ability. The ability has to do with faith. It's faith in the Lord himself and faith in the fact that if God gave me this, he expects something from me. He has belief and faith that I can do this and that I could do this and I have faith that he knows what he's doing. Whenever God does something, we need to recognize that he knows what he's doing and he doesn't just know how to do it. He knows exactly how to do it and he knows exactly what he's doing and we can never... I know there are times in the Bible when people feel like Moses. If you go back, we're not going to do that right now, but you go back to Exodus and you see this man Moses and he says, I can't talk very well. And certainly other people throughout history have used that same excuse. You're calling, you want me to lead people. I don't talk very well. And God said, who made your mouth? Good question. And Moses and God are having a little bit of an argument. And, and Moses is saying, well, well, God, I hope you find the right guy. It's not in the King James, but that's what he's saying there. I hope you find who you need to find. And God gets angry and says, well, I know your brother Aaron can talk. So I guess I'll tell you what to do, and then you tell Aaron to do the talking. It's silly because in Acts chapter 7, it says that Moses was mighty in words and deeds. And yet... Moses felt so inadequate and, and was arguing with God. Listen, there are times when God has given us something to do and we're like, oh, you, God, I hope you find the right person for that. But if he's given it to us, he's given it to us for a purpose. He knows what he's doing. And he knows who should have the five. He knows who should have the two. And he knew, knows who should have the one. According to their several ability. Then notice in verse 16, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received the two, he also gained other two. He expects his servants to use their talents to glorify him. I love the fact that it's, it uses the word talent. Now in the story, I believe talent is actually money. I think that's what you get as you read, keep on reading, the one buried the Lord's money. So I think in the story, the idea of the talent was really some sort of a valuable piece of 
money of some kind of 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 an amount and talent weighed a lot i think a talent of silver could be over 100 pounds and so i don't think they carried around but just like we do we carry well we don't anymore but we used to carry around something in our hand that equaled the value of something else and so whatever this talent was it's interesting that it's called a talent because god expects his servants to use their talents to glorify him. Now, maybe you're like me, and you say, well, when it comes to talent, pastor, I ain't got none. And all of us can probably claim that in some way or shape, but you know what? That's not really true. Uh, I was filling out a questionnaire for being a teammate. What is teammates? Well, it's when you get paired up with a young person in your community and you meet on a weekly basis and just go over things. And so they were pairing me up several years ago and they said, tell us about yourself. Tell us something awesome about yourself or something amazing. And I wrote, I am amazingly boring. That's what I wrote. And and the person laughed at me for writing that. But you know what? We all have a talent. And our talents and our abilities should not be something we're proud of, but rather we should recognize this. Someone doled it out. I'm amazed at how many people are using the things that God's given them for everything but God. Themselves as God. And uh, it's all about look at me and we worship people with talent and yet nobody seems to remember where that came from and what he probably wants us to be doing with it. I know this. We are, in fact, as human beings, we were created to give glory to God. It was for his pleasure that all things were created. It is very anti-God to not just live for him. To live for yourself sounds like something you have the right to do. But the truth is, every one of us in here owe the creator something right off the bat. He expects us to serve and use our talents to glorify him. I met a man this week. I I knew of him, but I'd never met him before. This week at the camp we were at, he was painting. He was painting murals. See, the the lodge had burned down several years ago, and so the new lodge is just now finally getting done, and he was painting murals in the different rooms. And he was, no kidding, he had a a little picture smaller than this piece of paper, and he was going like this, and then he was going like this. And I mean, it was impressive to watch. It was impressive. I overheard him talking to someone else, and he said, yeah, he said, I grew up in Casper, and, um, and there's, there's a mural on the side of a building in downtown Casper that I did 30 years ago. He said, I'm not real proud of it because it, it was before I was right with God, but he said, I, it's still up there. But now the man's a pastor in Idaho. But before he was a pastor, he said, I went off to art school in Chicago, and he said, I learned the trade and, 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 and honed the trade or whatever it might be, but God got a hold of my heart. He said, and now what I do, I do for the Lord. And, and I said, so what do you do in Idaho? He said, I'm a pastor. And town, named the town. But obviously also a painter. I appreciated that testimony. I didn't hear the whole thing. I just heard a portion of it. I appreciate that. You know, God has given you and I talents, abilities, resources. And again, you might say, not me. Are you breathing right now? Most everybody in here walked in on two feet. We have resources we don't even realize we have. And God's given those things to us for a reason, for a purpose. 
And that purpose is to glorify him. He is, after all, as the parable says, the Lord. He is the Lord. And I, I promise you this is true, and I, and I know it because I've seen it, that you'll never be happy doing it for anyone else but the Lord. You might make more money doing it for someone else. You might be more popular for, in doing it for someone else. You might get more pats on the back for doing it for someone else, but I promise you a thousand years from right now, and by the way, a thousand years from right now, there still will be an existence. A thousand years from right, right now, even if time is stopped, what you do for the Lord will make a whole lot more joy and value to you than whatever you did for something else for any other reason. You see, for one thing, the Bible says that this world's going to melt. Not because Al Gore said it's going to melt, but because God said that this world will melt one day. It will be dissolved. And if we do what we do for any other purpose than God, it will melt with it. No matter what it is. And so he expects his servants to use what he's given them to glorify him. I was going to preach this two days after our Valentine banquet. Um, we had a man and his wife here from Pine Ridge. They've been in Pine Ridge for 13 years or so. He and his wife moved out here from, I think it's Virginia, Tennessee. I did not know them, but I do remember them visiting our church one Sunday, and I do remember them saying, we are called to be missionaries to the Native Americans in Pine Ridge. Now, I'll be honest with you, there have been several people come from the south out to South Dakota. And many of them stay a couple years and go back south. And I'll just be honest, when I first met them, I thought, they're never going to make it in Pine Ridge. And I didn't even know all the, that I know now, but I knew enough to know that these folks come from some, I mean, these folks are well-to-do people. They, they, in fact, I didn't know it until now, but, but Brother Ken, he was the pastor of a large church back east. He had staff. In other words, they didn't just pay him as pastor. There were employees in the church. And at age 55, he walked away from that and went to a place that many in here don't like to travel through. And it's only a couple hours away. I encourage you in daylight hours to drive through there sometime. And I don't know. I don't know the whole story. All I know is this, is that God was and had given them much to do back east and there was, and yet something in their heart said, but, but I want you to double that. And instead of turning out like my pessimistic negative attitude 13 years ago, there is something there. And God is doing things there. That's a blessing to me. I hope it spoke to you. But then verse 18 says, but we, he that had received the one went 
and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. What a silly thing. And yet, you know, many people do the very same thing. They bury it. I told you a little bit ago that if you live for any other reason than what God has given you to do, it's like burying it in this old world. There are people who were successful in the eyes of man and and during their day and even shortly after their time, they were still revered and remembered and yet I'm here to tell you that statues and monuments get torn down and fame gets forgotten and you can bury whatever God's given you into an earth that's gonna melt someday. I appreciate anyone who takes care of the property that God's given them or allowed them to have. But no matter how nice your property is here and now, eventually you're going to lose it. Either because you can't afford to keep paying for it or because you can't keep breathing. But either way, you'll have to let it go. This is why Jesus said in the same book of Matthew, lay it out for yourself treasure on the earth. Lay it out for yourself treasure in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust can corrupt nor thieve can't break through and steal. And where your treasure is, there's where your heart will be also. And this, this servant, I don't believe he was saved. You say, well, then how can he be God's servant if he's not saved? Listen to this. Every human being serves God. Every human being serves a purpose. And ultimately that purpose is God's. All things work together for his good. And and you can be a Roman soldier and you're given a nail and a hammer and you can hammer him into the cross. And that might be something you are horribly guilty of for the rest of your life, but you served a purpose. You could be a wicked Pharisee who turned him in and declared that you wanted him crucified and that is a vile, wicked thing to have done and yet you served a purpose. Every human being serves God, even the ones that don't want to. Someone said, even the bad examples serve as a bad example. So in verse 20, excuse me, verse 19, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. After a long time. You know, when Jesus spoke this, it was about 1950, 1980 years ago. It's been a long time. None of us here today heard him say it with his mouth. It's been a long time, but he is coming back. He is coming back after a long time. And it says he's coming back to those servants and he's going to reckon with them. He'll return to reckon with his servants. Turn with me in a couple places as we look at this word reckon. We'll keep our finger in Matthew chapter 25 and we'll go back there in a little bit bit later. But Matthew chapter 25 is where we'll go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. <coughs> now, in context, let me explain something to you. In context, this is to the Corinthian church. This is not to everyone on planet earth. This in context is to the Corinthian church, and that's why it's called Corinthians, first and second. So when it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not talking about every human. It's talking about every saved human who is born again. Because the unsaved will not stand and give account for good or bad things. They're going to stand and give an account for not receiving Christ as their Savior. So we who are Christians will stand and will give an account. And the things done in our body, whether it was good or bad. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, same idea. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. I think that was mentioned just last week. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What is that talking about? Again, this is referring to the Christian. You have to have a foundation of Jesus Christ, verse 11. But on that foundation, you either build with gold, silver, precious stones, or you build with wood, hay, and stubble. What you do with the salvation God's given you will determine what will last in the end. And what will happen to many people who are believers is they will end up in heaven, and that's it. You say, well, that sounds good to me. Not me, it doesn't. Now, if I was the thief hanging on the cross and I had no more time than to just say, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and I didn't even have time to get baptized after my salvation, then I, as the thief on the cross, would be just glad to be there. But those of us who have been given time after our salvation to build upon that salvation, shame on us if we just get there. It could be that someone in here is older. That means older than me. And you have been in church most of your life. You've, you've been taught the Sunday school stories. You know lots of things about the Bible. And yet, there's never been really any building upon what you say you know or what you say you are as a Christian. I don't believe that everyone is supposed to be a missionary in Pine Ridge or supposed to be a pastor or a missionary somewhere as far as, as we think of that. Every one of us, though, is supposed to be serving God somewhere, doing something for the Lord. My own father was saved as an adult. I was just coming into the world as a baby when my father got saved. My father didn't ever go to church anywhere, but when he got saved, he was, had a craving to go to church and to, what do I do next? And, and so they saw a banner on the side of a Baptist church, and it had a, it had a Christian school, and they had a kindergarten, a preschool, and, and the banner said, pre-K, enroll within, inquire within. And so uh, they, they drove by, they saw that, hey, we need a place to put Matthew. That's me, little guy. And, and so they, they take me to 
and they enter and and oh this is a nice place and you have seemed like a real organized situation here and I think we'll have our child enrolled into your daycare and my dad said you know maybe we ought to come here on, on Sunday so they went Sunday and that's how they started going to a Baptist church I praise the Lord for how that worked out so they started going and, and my dad said hey he said Sunday night I think I'll let's go back so we all came back Sunday night. I'm just a little squirt. We're sitting there in church. I'm in the in the probably the junior church or the nursery or wherever it was until I was old enough to sit in the pew with them. And and um, the preacher one night started preaching about stewardship of your life. A steward is someone who does not really own anything. They just manage every someone else's affairs. They manage someone else's stuff. And the preacher said, "That's what we are. We're stewards." And we need to steward what God's given us to the best of our ability. And my dad said, I want to be that. My dad was working in the John Hancock building. He used to ride around in limousines and entertain clients. One time he had dinner with Neil Armstrong. He would, enter, he would entertain these people. And so he had just bought his own little private uh, bar, liquor set. And he had just set it up downstairs. And that preacher, that Baptist preacher, said something about, you don't need to be wasting your time and money on, on alcohol. It's not good for your body anyway. <gasps> My dad went home and said, you know what? That probably wasn't a good expense. And he flushed all of that one bottle at a time down the toilet and turned the great big cabinet he just bought into my little toy box thing. He said, well, that's getting a little too radical. You know, you can ask my mom and dad if it was worth it. Then, then he, he, he said, oh, I'd like to know, what, what, what is it you do? And, and this guy named uh, Peter, whatever his name was, well, I, I help with this Sunday school bus. We pick up kids, go through the Chicago area, Schaumburg, and, and we go around and pick up kids and bring them. Wow, can I ride with you? And, so, and my dad just got a burden for these kids. And pretty soon they made him a bus captain and he started going around picking up kids, inviting them to church. I remember one time he said, kids, if we break a record, if we have this many kids on the bus, you guys get to throw water balloons at me. That Sunday they broke the record and it happened to be the coldest Sunday of the spring. And my dad, he wanted to make sure every kid had fun. So he, he nailed all these boards with nails sticking out and then tied him to his head and tied him to his chest. So he's, he looked like a porcupine because he wanted to make sure that none of them bounced off, that every one was, was going to score a hit. But it got so cold that morning that he's got, I remember he had hat and gloves on with this stuff tied to him, and they, and they drenched him. About got him pneumonia. Can you imagine back at the John Hancock? The next, so what did you do? Oh, I just about got pneumonia at church. For what? God want me to. And, and what happened is God would give him a couple talents and boom, he was doubling it. Give him another couple talents and boom, he was doubling it. And pretty soon, one day, my dad said, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be in this office. He said to his first second in command or whatever high up from him I, I think I'm going to quit God wants me to go to ministry and, and, and I, I just believe God wants me to preach what they got on the phone called somebody in New York 
this man in New York who owned CBS television and owned the, the New York Giants at one time called my dad. You get out of here right now. I'll give you anything you want. You name your price, you just stay. I'm not staying. God's told me I need to do something different. My relatives who are not Christians say, you're crazy. What are you doing? Don't even miss it. There were times that it got missed. I mean, none of those people said, well, you're going to need, so here, let me just go ahead and plop this amount into your bank since you're going to leave. No, no. Lifestyle changed. Living quarters changed. But there's coming a day, my dad is in the beginning of dementia and Alzheimer's, there's coming a day when he'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll hear, not because he's my dad, but I know he'll hear, well done. What I also will tell you is that Jesus is coming back in Revelation 22 and verse 12, it says, and he's bringing his rewards with him. And what's cool about Matthew 25 is, he said, well, I don't have a story like that. Wasn't it neat that Jesus didn't say, in fact, you can't find it anywhere in the Bible where he says, well done, thou good and faithful pastor. Well done, thou good and faithful businessman. Well done, thou good and faithful politician. I don't know if there is any, but well done, thou good and faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful lawyers. No, it's the same for everybody, no matter what you do on planet Earth. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God doesn't, God doesn't think of me any different than he thinks of you, no matter what our positions are, no matter what we do. All of us walk around going, so what do you do? The answer should be, I serve the Lord. And one day, for those who are his, he is coming back to reckon with them. So notice back in Matthew 25, verse 20. So he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received the two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well, you're not as good as the first one. Didn't say that, did he? He said almost exactly the same thing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But not only will Jesus come and return and give and take a reckoning for those who served him, he will also come back to judge the ungodly. The ungodly will not stand before Christ as the Christian will. 
they'll stand in a very different situation. It's called the great white throne judgment. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12, it says they'll stand before God and the books were opened, not, not, to, not to hopefully give them a second chance, but just to show that they were not found written in the book of life. And no matter what other good things they thought they accomplished, it is now melted into nothing. Philippians 2 verse 10 says, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No atheist will be there because every atheist will suddenly realize he is who he is. They'll be there, but they won't be atheists anymore, but it'll be too late for them. And he will judge the ungodly. And that's what happens here in verse 23, verse 24. And he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast that is thine. Before I go on to this, let me just stop and say again in verse 23 and verse 21, well done. That's what I just want to hear. I'm so thankful that God is not going to say, well, you know, you didn't have near as many people saved as so-and-so did. Or your church wasn't as large as so-and-so's church. Or you didn't have this and this and this. No, he'll just expect what he knows I should be doing. That's what I love about my heavenly father. He doesn't hold me accountable or hold me to the same standard necessary as someone else. He just holds me to what he knows. I gave you two. I know you can make two more. And if you'll double it, you'll hear well done. Doesn't matter if your double is still pretty small compared to somebody else's. If you Well done. And also notice whether it's five or two turned into double. Notice it says you've been faithful over little things few things I will make thee ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of thy Lord you and I can't understand that because we haven't been there yet but there's coming a day when time will stop and we will just enter into a new world and those who are faithful servants will actually rule and reign with him the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20 I'll make thee ruler over many things But notice this last one that we just read about in verse 24 and 25 and following. He had received one talent. I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou art the least you could have done. Therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my, you could have at least collected some interest on it. Now, I want to just say it this way. He was the servant who never was. Notice in here in verse 24, Lord, I knew thee. No, he didn't. You know what a lot of people's problem is? They think they know God and they don't. Their vision of God is a mean, mean master. 
Maybe their father gave them that, that vision. Maybe they had a father who was abusive or they had a father who was selfish and father would tell them what to do and then not, never any reward for it. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe, I don't know what it was, but this, this servant who wasn't a servant said, well, I know who you are. I know, listen to what he says. You're a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. Let me tell you something. If anybody described my God that way, I'd say, hold it. We're not talking about the same God. Because my heavenly father is not like that at all. Now, my heavenly father could be like that and has a right to be like that because he's God. But I got news for you. It is a blessing to serve him. I is richer being his servant than I was if I wasn't his servant at all. If I was not his servant, I promise you, my problems would be big, bigger. Maybe I'd have more dollars in the bank, maybe, but I know this for sure, I'd have a whole lot more going out. I'd have a whole lot more leakage. I'd have a whole lot more problems and things I couldn't control. What I love about God is he blesses and rewards his servants in ways the world can't. Many take their talent and bury it. Many are this type of a person. Well, I, there's no sense serving God because it won't be good for me. Matthew chapter seven, many will say, didn't we do wonderful works in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. There are people out there that serve, quote unquote, they think, they serve Jehovah and they go around and hand out magazines and they work very hard and yet they are not at all familiar with the God of the Bible. There are many all over our globe that think they're serving God, but they think of him as scary. They don't understand he's our father which art in heaven. That doesn't cross their mind. I'm thankful that Sam picked that song this morning. I know whom I have believed. That comes straight out of the Bible. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep the promise to me. What I've committed, he's able to keep it. I know him. You ever have somebody come up to you and try to tell you something real negative about someone that you love and you say, you and I aren't talking about the same person. And I don't know what your image of God is. But possibly someone here, well, I don't want to serve God because then I'll be miserable. Liar. You're a liar. Don't you dare say that about my God. I promise, I have been where you might not want to go and I promise you this, God was still there. And the rewards and the benefits of serving God are something the world cannot match. I got a voicemail while I was in camp. I got it. I, I retrieved it. I played it. Turned on the speakerphone because I was driving. So I'm driving down through town and leaving Wyoming. And this pastor who I don't even know, I met your son. And I'm going to tell you something. Man, what a blessing your son is. And my wife's sitting right there. I'm telling you, that kid just does stuff. And I was just so impressed. And anyway, we were talking and I didn't do that. 
And my wife didn't do that, although she did more than I did. God did that. And you can, you can sit down with Tom Furs and Shelly Furs and say, so, be honest, don't you miss the limos? Don't you, don't you miss the life? And they'll look at the pictures on the wall and go, no, because that one just got married and, and, and that one, oh, and my, our great, our great grandbaby, and, and, and they all go to church every, and they're, and no. No, don't miss it. I knew you were hard. Boy, you don't know God. The only type of person who talks like that is someone who doesn't know God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. See, when he said, I knew you, that you're a hard man and you do this and this, verse 25, and I was afraid. In other words, I knew you, but I didn't trust you. You're not a Christian if you don't trust him. There's no faith. There's no belief. There's no trust. And it really gives it away in verse 25 when it says, and I was afraid. First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. If you're not saved, let me just tell you right now, you don't know what you're missing. You don't understand. I don't do what I do because I'm afraid of God. And, and, and others that you see serving the Lord, we're not doing it because we're afraid of God. We're doing it because we love him. And if he gave us five, we want to make 10. If he gave us two, we want to make four. Not because we're afraid of him. He was afraid. He was wicked, he says. He was slothful. And he was a false example. Maybe you've seen this kind of religion that serves God, quote unquote, out of fear and does all this stuff, but it's, there's never any happiness in it. There's never any joy. There's never any contentment. It's just fear and, and oppression. Maybe you're that person and you're living a false example. What a shame when young people and old people alike say, oh, you don't want to go there. That's a real oppressive place. Man, you don't know my God. I'll tell you where you don't want to go is when you get a phone call and your kid's in trouble because of stuff they've been doing. When you get a phone call and you find out that they're getting divorced. Or you get a phone call and you find out you're getting divorced. What shocked my relatives was that Tom and Shelley Furs never split up. They said, you're going to put him in a Christian school? He's not even going to know how to read. But decades later, Decades later, it's obvious. And this servant, quote unquote, was not saved. 
And that's why it says in verse 30, he was cast into outer darkness. God made him to serve. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 21, that a, a godly man will make his servant his son. That's exactly what he did when he saved me. As a human being, I, I was always his servant, quote unquote. I served a purpose, but when I got saved, I became his son. I was adopted into his family. And I don't serve him because I have to. I serve him because I get to. And I enjoy it. And I hope to hear well done. And I hope that I don't just do the minimum, but I hope I do the maximum. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. How about you? You say, well, pastor, I just can't think of anything God's given me to do. Are you saved? That's where it starts. You've been born again? Number two, since your salvation, have you been baptized? Well, what if somebody else would be amazed and would be, and would be encouraged and would be influenced by your public testimony of saying, I need to be baptized? Has God given that for you to do? I don't see anybody hanging on a cross right now. I think all of you have time to get baptized if you're not. Are you a member of the church? Well, I don't know if I want to. Pastor, I don't want to be a member of the church. You're the pastor. I know. But it's still the right thing to do. Because that's how, that's how God functions is through his local church. Yeah, but Ron Spears a member. I know. That's just to serve the purpose that anybody can be. Well, but I, I wonder, I wonder if there's anybody out there, God saying, you know that I want you to give more and you're not. You say, pastor, now you're talking about money. I'm going to tell you something. God does not need your money. And since I have been a pastor here, we haven't needed it either. You say, Really? Why'd you take up an offering? Because we're supposed to give. That's why. We are supposed to give. It's wrong when we don't. It has nothing to do with paying the bills. God pays the bills. He uses the offering plate to do it, but he pay. That's just how it works. And if the Lord's speaking to you and you're saying, well, I just, they're just trying to get my money. No, I'm not. And I know God's not. He's got all the money he needs. It's not about you and what you, it's about just serving him. So here's what it does. It teaches your spouse a lesson. It teaches your kids a lesson. See, as a kid growing up, I saw what my mom and dad were doing and it was teaching me lessons. I was benefiting from their service. Maybe you have a big decision. Maybe you have something you, maybe you need to tell your spouse something you don't want to tell them, but you need to tell them because God wants you to tell them, but they might leave me. Who do you love the most? That's a selfish response. Maybe you need to tell your children something you don't want to tell them. Who do you love the most? 
I don't know what your faith step is. Maybe God wants you to go to Pine Ridge and be a missionary. I don't know what your faith step is. I just know that if you're a believer and you're one of his servants, he's got another talent for you to double. He's got it. And if you think that Pastor Matt just became a pastor, no, no. There was little things that had to be doubled and little things that had to be doubled. And, and that's how it works. If you look at someone in our church and say, wow, they just seem to have it all together. And how do, there was just little steps that had to get doubled. And then the Lord said, you did good. Here, have another five. Here, have 10. Here, do, and wow. And I just want to hear well done. And the best part it is, is that the Lord is not going to judge me based on anyone else. He's just going to judge me and he's going to hold me accountable to what he knows that he's given me to do. I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I don't want to shirk whatever talent he's given me to do next. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. But before we pray, I just need to ask, would there be someone say, Pastor, I don't even think I'd be in heaven if I died. I have thought of God as just being hard and and unloving, and, I, and I, I just haven't been able to trust him. Today you need to trust him. Would there be anyone say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not even sure I'm saved. Anyone? And then, Pastor, I know I'm saved. But I stopped doubling a long time ago. And I'll just be honest with you, I haven't heard him say well done in a long time. You need to let God challenge you and increase your faith and take the next step. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the simplicity of just realizing all you want is from us to do our best and then you'll say, well done. You know the background. You know the hardship that some folks in here have had to live all their life. I, on the other hand, have had parents who were saved by the time I was growing up. My children have grandparents that are saved. But Lord, you know there are people in here, they don't have any parents or grandparents that are saved. Lord, you're not judging us or holding us to the same standard. You just want every one of us in this room to double what you've given us and to trust you to make it happen, to not be afraid of you, but to just trust you. Lord, help us desire more than anything else in the whole world. Help us to desire to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.